This is a Clock Shelves Podcast Network production. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Lost with Friends. As always, I'm your host, Paul, and I'm joined today by someone who hasn't been on the show very often, but I am incredibly uh, happy to hear his insight. Why don't you go ahead and reintroduce yourself, sir? Hello, my name is Steve Peterson. Uh, Steve is the Hollywood IRL guy for anybody who follows on Instagram. And you actually chose the episode we're going to be discussing today, Whatever Happened Happened, and you were very adamant that you wanted this episode. Was there any particular reason why? I am a sucker for time travel. So anything that discusses time travel, uh, especially in this episode, how they kind of lay down the rules of how it works. Um, I was really excited about that. Um, another thing, I, I'm not a big fan of Kate uh, usually, but this is one of the few Kate episodes I really enjoyed. Um, and it's also, it's kind of the origin of Ben, who was uh, him and Locke are my favorite characters to see, to, to see where he came from uh, was a really cool story. Oh, nice. So this kind of has like everything. Now, you said you're not a, a Kate fan. We've, of course, have, uh, have had a lot of people on the show who have what I affectionately refer to as the Kate hate. Is there mm-hmm. a reason in particular that you're not a Kate fan? Uh, it's not that I'm not a Kate fan. It's just she's not one of my favorites. It's the typical thing where it's like, hey, Kate, we got to go do this thing. So you stay here and protect the, the camp. And she's like, OK, Jack. And then two minutes later, she's like, hey, Jack, guess what? I'm here and I screwed everything up. And it's just like... <laughs> To help out the team, I understand you want to be part, but it's, she just seems to get in the way a lot. So um, that's one reason why I like this one was where she actually was was being helpful this time and didn't didn't really screw stuff up, depending on how you look at it. Fair enough. I was actually thinking about that as I was going through. There was like certain things where it's like, okay, she seems to be on the right track, and then other times it's like, well, you know, come on, Kate, you, you you've done that. You you should know how this game is played now. <laughs> Right, right, right. And I definitely agree with the time travel thing. Like you said earlier, I've said it a bunch of times. Uh, season five is one of my favorites. I love time travel. I love the fact that they reference Back to the Future in this mm-hmm. episode. So I am fully on board with it. Uh, do you want to just get started with the the notes and stuff? Sure. All right. So we pick up right where we left off in the previous episode. Jin is out laying on the ground and he wakes up hearing sounds from over the walkie. It's Phil calling him. Once he answers, Phil tells him what he already knows. The hostel, Saeed, has actually escaped. And Jin tells him that Saeed is heading north. He knows this because he was attacked by him. Jin then notices young Ben on the ground, not moving. He doesn't answer the walkie because he's trying to get Ben to come around. Ben has been shot, as we remember, and asks Jin for help. Jin picks him up, puts him in the back of the van, and drives off. I like the fact that they picked up right where the episode left off. We don't necessarily get that too often in this show. Mm Mm-hmm. One thing that bothered me, and it's been a while, it's been two years since I've seen Lost, and I feel terrible about that. But if I recall correctly, uh, at least when it first aired, I remember seeing the previous episode, and it looked like Ben got shot like right in the heart. Um, but then they cut to this episode, and it looks like he was shot on his right side in the ribs. So I don't know if that was just a, a weird edit or what was going on, but it seemed like they 
when they originally did it, it's like he's dead, 100% he's dead. But now they said, okay, well, we moved his his womb somewhere else, so it's not as life threatening. I believe Lostpedia had a a note about that in the okay. kind of continuity errors or something, and I don't know if that was just one of those things where they just decided, like, oh, okay, we can't clearly can't have it near his heart, but yeah, mm-hmm. no, that definitely was a thing. Okay. Uh. Back in Dharmaville, Horus has gathered people and is giving them a talk. He mentions that another uh, that another attack may be coming, and Lafleur has people out searching, but they're behind clearly because the hostel had a head start. Horus thinks the fire was just a diversion. Hurley asks uh, Jack if Said is the one they're discussing, and Jack asks how Said started the fire if he was locked up. Horace doesn't even know who Jack is, and Jack identifies himself and comments that he's new. And Horace goes on to say that the hostel probably had help. The helper torched the van, let the hostel out of his cell, uh, but the camera didn't see anyone crossing the perimeter. That means it was one of them. And they all look at each other before dispersing. And I know the scene continues, but I just want to say I love the fact that that it's like suddenly, you know, kind of the the villain amongst us sort of mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. That was a great scene where, you know, Jack's like, Hey, I'm new. And everyone's like, okay, so who can we trust anymore? And everything just kind of falls apart, which is a great scene. And like, they've kind of commented on that uh, a few episodes, like leading up to this, you know, Sawyer has Sawyer and Juliet have said it in particular, the fact that like everything was fine mm-hmm. and just the Oceanic Six coming back, really these three and Saeed coming back t- into the past, at least like really just screwed up everything they had going. And I believe uh, one, I believe Juliet says it later in this episode where it's just like, we had a good, you know, we were fine here. Yeah. We know? didn't need your help. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Roger Linus then approaches Kate asking her to help him with something, but he quickly finds out she has no idea any of the mechanical stuff. He tells her what to do. They crank up whatever needs to be cranked up. And he talks to her about the fact that they just assigned her anywhere, even with no experience in the motor pool and how something similar happened to him. He says Mm -hmm. that they just sucker anyone onto the sub with promises, but end up giving them menial tasks. They introduce each other with him giving his surname, Linus, and she realizes the connection to Ben before telling him it's nice to meet him. And I actually have it as a note a little bit later, but like there were several things in this episode where when I first was watching it, I thought they were going to be setting up like a romantic subplot between her and Roger. Oh, really? Like, I never, never saw that coming when at I, all. when I first like way back. Cause like I wasn't involved in like any of the fandom stuff or anything like okay. that. Like I was just watching it like on my own and it's just like kind of the way that they have like little interactions and he's just like, I'm Roger Linus. And then she like, she seems, I mean, Roger says it not in this episode, but in a future episode where he's just like, she has some weird thing with my kid or whatever. And obviously mm-hmm. we know what that is, but it's just, she seemed to kind of, want to I've taken it as almost she kind of wanted to figure out what Roger's deal was to see if she could maybe understand Ben a little more but I just had this feeling that they were that there was going to be like some sort of setup with her and Roger being in like a relationship and I just was like no like I just did not want that I'm glad they didn't go that way because it yeah, was something I been, didn't want 
that would have been an interesting take on it, but yeah, that would definitely have been a, a weird story that I don't think would have played out too well. Um, but I do agree a part uh, how she was trying to kind of figure him out and maybe if she can kind of get to know him and she can maybe help influence how he raised Ben to not be the the evil person he was in the future. Uh, that's kind of how I took it, how she was just trying to help out and um, give Ben a better a better life. Right. Yeah, which I mean, it would it would be nice if that were the way that things worked. <laughs> yep, but whatever happened, happened. Yep. Uh, Jin arrives back, and Kate and Roger and a few other people see him take Ben out of the back of the van. Roger runs after, yelling, "How that's his kid!" We then flash back, which is actually forward, I guess technically, to 2005, and we hear Patsy Klein playing while Kate is driving around. She's clearly looking for something in particular before finally stopping and pulling into a driveway. She gets Aaron out of the car seat and begins singing Catch a Falling Star to him as he wakes up and she's walking up the sidewalk. Uh, After she rings the bell, Cassidy opens the door and is excited to see her and tells Kate that she saw her on the news and she, of course, says hi to Aaron. Kate introduces Aaron and Cassidy once again comments how she's surprised that Kate survived a plane crash before asking why Kate is there. And Kate has to tell her that Sawyer sent her. Cassidy's smile slowly fades. And this is one of those things they don't... It's And ironically, Sawyer later on in the episode doesn't ever find out the fact that Kate and Cassidy have a connection prior to the island. Mm-hmm. Like, it's one of those things where, I mean, they kind of, like, obviously she talks about it. She's just like, oh, I, I knew, you know, I know you, I know you. And then she finds out that actually Kate and Sawyer, now after the island, have had a connection. And, you know, obviously we'll talk about it a little later, a little later when Kate says that she did go to visit her. But she never tells Sawyer that they had a connection. I always thought that was a little strange. I honestly think the whole thing was a bit strange because from the the previous episode they knew each other for what, a day or two and i mean sure they had a, a a kind of big event where she helped uh kate reconcile with her mom or tried to reconcile with her mom but would you really remember that person so many years later i mean i just that's one thing about the show is found kind of weird like she's like oh hey i remember that girl from that two days that we met I don't know. Yeah, no, I actually, I, I very much agree. I like the concept of the six degrees of separation thing that mm-hmm. they set up with the show. And uh, I've talked about it before, the fact that, you know, uh, it, for anybody who doesn't know the six degrees of separation, it's like anybody in the world, there's, you know, less than, there's six people or less between you and them in theory. And so they always have that where you always see characters in other people's flashbacks and, you know, so-and-so, like in this case, you know, Sawyer's um, one-time fling, new Kate from the past and whatever. But there are situations like this where it's like, oh, yeah, we knew each other for, like you said, like two days. And would you really remember them? I have people that I went you know, spent years in school with or worked with or whatever. And then I see them and don't remember them a few years. Exactly. Later, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's, there's the same thing. There's people that I've met in my life that I was friends with for years. And if I saw them today, I'd be like, yeah, no, no recollection, but <laughs> yeah. So whatever. That, it's a show, but yeah. Um, I mean, you could, you could argue it away by saying it's one of those Island things, but it's, yeah, no, yeah. it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> Yeah, but it would have been interesting to see them, you know, say, "Oh, hey, I, the the fact that 
I happen to know this girl that's the you know the mother of your child uh that should have been discussed at some point agreed moments later we're inside Cassidy's home and she's asking about Sawyer still being alive she also has an envelope of money and Kate clarifies that he was alive when she left Cassidy asks about the envelope of money Sawyer asked her to deliver and Kate mentions that he informed her to find Cassidy and his daughter Clementine. Cassidy is clearly upset and Kate tries to flee. And Cassidy asks why Kate told her the truth. Kate said Clementine had a right to know her father cared. And she also says that Sawyer isn't with them because he jumped out of the helicopter to save gas. But Cassidy argues that Sawyer is a coward. He was running away from Kate. And when she told Sawyer, I'm sorry, yeah, when she told Sawyer that he had a daughter, he didn't do anything to help. And now we're supposed to believe he's a good guy. Uh, And she then questions if the money is actually from him. And Kate says that they got a cash settlement and how she didn't need it all before Cassidy cuts her off, saying Kate has the same look that she once had. Sawyer ditched her once, too. She then goes on to ask if Aaron is Sawyer's, but Kate lies that she was pregnant before knowing Sawyer, and Cassidy calls her out on this lie. She questions why Kate just told the truth a moment ago about the Oceanic Six, but not about Aaron, and Kate responds that she has to lie about Aaron. And I find that weird. It's, it could be one of just those weird Kate things, but, like, that is kind of weird. Like, she would, you know, just without having seen this woman in years, she only knew her for like two days. Um, Sawyer is not the most trustworthy guy. And she's just like, so, Hey, kind of random person. I'm going to tell you the truth about this giant lie that we've concocted that we all have to keep up. And now I'm kind of bringing you into the circle that you have to keep up this lie too, but then I'm going to lie to you about this other thing as well. Like, it's just, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's just her with her thing with Aaron, where she's. I think she's trying to convince herself that it's it's her child, and that part was kind of weird. I thought as well. Um, but the one other thing I want to touch on too is how she uh, Cassidy, you know, uh, said Sawyer didn't care, but didn't Sawyer leave Clementine a whole bunch of money from the Tampa job or whatever it was? Did they not ever get that, or they did not touch on that? Um, I don't recall, but I mean. Well, she looks to be doing pretty well off, so Well that's the thing is is um you know, he did leave that the thing to Clementine Phillips went from when he was in the jail, but mm-hmm. we, I don't know if she ever got that. I don't know if the money that Kate just handed her is actually from the Oceanic settlement or if she got that money and was just like she you know, maybe she didn't believe that Cassidy would believe that Sawyer had that money or whatever. I that money could just still be sitting in some account somewhere. I I don't really know, but you're right. Like there he, okay. he clearly did care cuz he did set something up, but I don't think they've ever officially said this is okay. where like, that money Cass- went or anything. Cass- not aware of it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Back in Dharmaville in 1977, Kate is walking past the damage house before entering the security station. She questions Sawyer about Ben being shot and asks if Saeed is the one that shot him. And Sawyer tells her to stop asking questions, lay low, don't draw attention, and leave the station right now. 
Horace enters, notices Kate, and wonders why she's there. Sawyer says that he was questioning her on if she saw anything uh, suspicious, but she didn't, so she can leave. And after Kate leaves, Horace asks if Sawyer checked the prisoner's cell, so they go to do that. Upon seeing it, Horace declares that someone let the hostel out, and Sawyer notices the janitor's keys. Horace mentions that there's only three janitors, Roger, Willie, and the new guy, Jack. Sawyer says he knows Jack, having brought him in from the sub, and he volunteers himself and Miles to go speak with Jack. And I've actually commented on it a few episodes previous to this, the fact that Sawyer is very, and he even says it himself uh, about an episode or two ago, where he says that he sits and he thinks and, and whatever, versus Jack as a leader who was very reactionary. And it's interesting to me to see how in this episode he has to be reactionary and for the most part he holds everything together pretty well. Mm-hmm. Yep. Just the the one thing that was kind of weird about it is he's reviewing these tapes and they never thought to check the cell. Like that's the first thing I would probably go check out is what's going on with the cell. Did someone break it open? And then they find the keys. He's like, Oh, someone let him out. Like I just, I mean, as much as I love the show, I thought that was one of the, poorly written scenes where it seemed like they were trying to be, you know, all CSI about it. And then she's like, Oh, there's keys here. Someone must've let him out as opposed to just, I don't know. I don't know. Not sure how to say what I'm thinking, but it just, it seemed like a very poorly written scene where they're just trying to get to the point where, uh, it wasn't a breakout and it was, it was an inside job, so to speak. Well, yeah. Cause like one of the, you know, the first thing you would check would be the scene of the crime. Exactly. And they didn't do that. But I wonder if, and this is just me like freestyling this. I wonder if maybe he did, but he didn't think that Horace would want to check. Do you know what I mean? Cause like, okay. I don't know if he thought that it was Ben or whatever, but because like he almost like, as soon as he finds out about the keys and he asks, uh, Roger, which we'll see in a moment, like he almost instantly connects those dots. So I wonder if maybe he already had that inclination and just didn't necessarily want Horace to put any of these uh, connections together. I could see that, but if he had done that, he probably should have taken the keys out and hid them. If he Horace, he didn't want Horace to find out. So. Right. Oh, yeah. No, I agree, and that's yeah. part of why that you know the, what I said doesn't hold up. But that would be yeah. my only potential explanation. <laughs> um. When they're outside, Sawyer tells Miles to go find Jack, Kate, and Hurley, put them in a house, and keep them there. Miles is curious about this, but Sawyer says that things are spinning out of control, and he doesn't want anyone else talking to their three friends. They then go in opposite directions, with Sawyer going towards the infirmary. Roger is there and asks who did this to his son. Sawyer tells him they don't have any answers yet, and then he asks how Ben is doing. Roger says Juliet told him to wait outside, and Sawyer volunteers to go and find out anything. And as he's heading in, uh, Sawyer asks Roger if he has his keys. At first, Roger says yes, but upon going to reach for them, of course, it turns out that he doesn't have them. Um, I want to take a moment here before we go into the operating room. I said this a few episodes ago, and so far, I don't think I like anyone has really... I think everybody just kind of agrees. Uh, maybe you have a, a theory on this. Why is it that for three years, you know, like at one point, Juliet says to Sawyer about their deal, 
presumably in regards to she's not going to be a doctor of any sort. That's why she's working in the motor pool. But then she delivers Amy's baby and suddenly she's a doctor. Everyone trusts her. And it's just like, oh, yeah, by the way, she just happened to have all this medical knowledge for three years and never once talked about it. Like there's never a scene where anybody questions like, hey, why is the mechanic working in the operating room and why are we listening to the mechanic about anything the doctor questioned her once but you know you understand like amy's just like oh i trust her whatever but no one else ever seemed to question like oh yeah juliet by the way where did you get all of these years of medical knowledge from it's a good question (laughs) um off the top of my head the only thing i could think is dharma doesn't seem to care about your past and just assigns you some random job so maybe they just said, who cares what you're doing? Now you're a motor pool person. And then she's like, oh, guess what? I know how to do medical stuff. And they're like, oh, cool. Help us out. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's doesn't really make sense. And it's just, I mean, I would understand if there had been like even a scene, but just the fact that it's just like, I mean, I, I get, you know, clearly she did a good job you know, helping deliver the baby and, and, you know, all these few things that she's done over these few episodes, but there was never, at least on screen, there was never the question of like, yeah, by the way, um, where did you get all this knowledge? (laughs) Uh, so then we go into the operating room where Juliet is performing surgery on Ben. Things are very hectic. And she mentions that if they can't stop the hemorrhaging, they're going to lose the whole tract. Sawyer enters asking where the doctor is, and Juliet remarks that he's at the Looking Glass station. She says that Ben is not doing well. Uh, She then tells Sawyer that Ben is still bleeding, but she can't find where and therefore can't fix it. He tries to console her, but she tells him that she can't find the damage and she can't fix it. He needs a real surgeon. Uh, Sawyer stands there trying to think while the monitor continues to beep, and he rushes outside. Um, it, again, it's one of those, you know, Sawyer clearly works quick on his feet with this whole thinking thing. And I I said it, you know, a few moments ago, but I just think it's, it's really cool to see him. And, you know, a little bit later, uh, we'll see Jack just like taking a back seat. I'm not the biggest Jack fan at all. So Mm -hmm. the fact that somebody else is taking over leadership, I think it's, it's really nice, a nice change of pace for the show. And um, yeah, I just, I like Sawyer being the the leader. Yeah. Especially that it's Sawyer because in the first few seasons he was just, you know, he's a con guy, but now he's taking charge. He thinks it's like the scene. I don't forget. I know it was a few episodes back, but where uh, you mentioned before where he's, you know, I don't, I don't react. I think that's one of my favorite scenes of the show, just because he basically tells Jack, you know, you didn't do a good job. This is how we do things. And for three years, he was doing pretty awesome. And then once Jack came back and started messing with things, that's when it fell apart. And it just kind of reinforces how how awful Jack really is. Because I'm not a Jack fan either at all. All right. (laughs) Um, But it is one of those things, though, where, in my opinion, had, like... I don't think earlier in the series that Sawyer was ready to lead. Like you said, he was a con oh, no. man. I don't think he was ready to be a leader at that point. I think it kind of, he needed that development and he needed almost to be held back to a certain point to, to finally make him 
uh, be worthy, I guess, if you want to say, of being mm-hmm. the leader. Yeah, he definitely had had the knowledge and the the quick wits about him, but he didn't have the discipline to to do what's better for everyone else. He just took care of himself earlier in the series. Um, and now he's, you know, he's grown up. Uh, um, I think he says later on in the episode, you know, I've done a lot of growing up in the past three years and uh, he, he's earned that spot. He's taken care of the entire, uh, entire Dharma initiative. Uh, he took over as, you know, the, the chief sheriff um, and he's doing a great job. And it's good to see him come into that. Um, I've always said that out of the entire cast i think he has had the best character arc of the entire show yeah i would i would definitely agree with that and the discipline was the word i couldn't find thank you (laughs) uh elsewhere miles is in a room with jack and kate and hurley jack asks if they're on house arrest miles says that they can leave anytime but he'll shoot them in the leg And Jack rhetorically asks whose idea this was. Miles confirms Jack's suspicions. And Kate reminds Jack that Sawyer is just doing his job. And Miles, of course, agrees with Kate. Uh, Hurley is inspecting his hand. And Miles asks what he's doing. And Hurley says he's checking to see if he's disappearing. Hurley clarifies that he's referencing back to the future. Uh, In their case, they came back to the island. Saeed shot young Ben. Therefore, he can't grow up to be... Man Ben that terrorizes them moves the island and has them come back in the first place. So by this logic, they don't exist. They then have a great time travel discussion where the rules of time travel are clarified. Miles tells them that for any of them that came back, anything can happen. They can die, but for Ben, because we know he grows up, nothing can happen. He was always shot by Saeed. That's what always happened. And... It's it's really it's this scene and the scene a little later, but it's just this time travel thing. I I always think time travel is um, a really great storytelling device, but you need to, as you said earlier, kind of lay down the rules. And it took them a good portion mm-hmm. of the way through the season, but they finally like laid down the rules in this episode. Yeah, and I mean time travel is not real per se whatever but i always felt that if it was it would be these type of rules where there's no multiple timelines it's not multiple universes it's if you went back to 1975 today then you were always there and that's how it's always happened and that's how it's always been i know during the show while it aired this was a huge huge point of discussion uh that some people just didn't understand how it worked kind of like early was uh some people told it understood it and then there's the whole argument of um free will um if it's if it exists because if whatever had happened you have no free will and trying to explain to someone that they could do whatever they want it just already happened and that was just a hard concept for a lot of people to grasp during uh while, while it was airing i always think of it and i believe i said it a few episodes ago when um christian quote unquote shows Son and Lapidus, uh, the picture of Hurley and Jack and Kate, uh, you know, as the new recruits. And mm-hmm. all the way back in season one or even season three, when when Kate was being held in the rec room before the others left uh, Dharmaville or whatever you want to call it. If anybody had looked at that picture, if in season one they happened upon you know, the other's village or whatever, and one of them found that picture, they would have seen their friends in that picture. 
at that time because that like exactly. you said, it had always happened. And that's how I always thought of it was that picture always existed. It was always there. They just hadn't seen it yet. Mm-hmm. And the kind of fate thing, I mean, I'm not necessarily one to bring uh, religion into the show unless it's brought up on the show. But there is in at least some forms of uh, Christianity and Judaism and things like that. There are kind of the cons, you know, of course there's the thing of fate versus free will, predestination, all that sort of stuff. And I know that there is sort of the concept of you, you have free will, you can do whatever you want to do, but God knows what you're going to do anyway. You know what I mean? So like almost in the same way mm-hmm. that that works with the, the thing of the show, you can do whatever you want to do, but it's always going to end up however it ends up. It may just be a situation where you're always going to end up at the same path. It's just, do you take path A or path B? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's how and I'm not, I, I, I know that you understand that. And I know that probably everybody else understands that, but that's, that was at least my way of thinking of it for the whole series, especially when I wasn't like you said about, you know, a lot of fans were divided on things. I wasn't necessarily involved in a lot of the, the fan things. So I remember that was at least my way of thinking. And once I got into a lot more like fan discussions, I was just glad that there were a lot of people, not everybody, of course, but a lot of people who were just like, I was like, okay, one, I'm clearly getting it. Cause a lot of people feel this way. And two, mm-hmm. like, at least we're on the same page, you know? Well, that was the thing that was kind of frustrating about it is like, they spelled it out in this episode. This is how time travel works in the show. And people were like, Nope, that's wrong. <laughs> no, 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 it's not. This is what they wrote. It's, it's the universe. Well, that wouldn't make sense because this, this, and this, I'm like, no they they said it that's just all right don't enjoy the show i don't care do what you got to do and it's it's fine if you say it wouldn't work because well when you write your time travel show we'll follow your time travel logic but in this Mm -hmm. show this is their time travel logic and it works for the purposes of the show yep that's my opinion at least (laughs) um at one point while they're there, Kate questions, what if Miles is wrong with all of this? And Miles says that none of it will matter anyway. Sawyer then rushes in and asks Jack to join him. He explains what Juliet said and that he needs Jack to fix it. But Jack refuses. When Sawyer reminds him that Ben will die, Jack is fine with this. And uh, a lot of people, even the people who like Jack, always say that season five Jack is probably their least favorite because he's just this broken man ever since things went downhill for him after uh you know leaving the island and i feel like these little these few episodes here from um uh mostly just when he's in the 70s you know like he's taking ben's lead at the beginning of the season and then he doesn't really have anybody to follow because he doesn't want to follow Sawyer, even though Sawyer is like the only one who knows what's going on really that he could or that he would be willing to follow. Um, But he's just so down in these episodes that he just clearly doesn't care about anything. He even says at one point, the fact that he's still not sure why he came back and whatever. 
And it's it is kind of even as somebody who's not a Jack fan, it is kind of sad to see a character who had such strong convictions one way to see him at his lowest point like that. He clearly hasn't gone completely to his convictions the other way and become the man of faith 100 percent yet. But it's just really sad to see him at like this lowest point where he doesn't even necessarily care that in theory a kid is going to die. I agree, but at the same time, it's also some of my favorite Jack scenes here because he's leaning more towards that that Locke side where he's like, Locke was right, and you know the stuff that I did before it didn't work out. Maybe I was wrong, and now I need to kind of you know go the other way. He's still not, as you said, he's still not all the way there, and he's just like, ah, I don't know what I'm doing, I don't care. But at least he's not just rushing into things and and being Jack. And to me, I think that's that's more entertaining and more enjoyable to watch than him just being the hero. I would agree. My only thing, and I think um, I feel like she like Kate's about to say it uh, in this next bit, but where she says, uh, you know, that maybe Jack is the one who's supposed to save him. You know, like you could say in theory, um, you know, can't go back in time because you can't change anything well, maybe you go back in time because you're supposed to be the one that does whatever the thing is, you know? So mm-hmm. that, that would that's my only point to it. But you're right. I, I do enjoy Jack when he's not necessarily being the leader like this and he's, you know, just like, I'm not completely sure what to do. Yeah. And this is like one of my favorite parts. I think they're about to bring it up where she says, you know what, if you're supposed to save him, the this whole scene where they're explaining the time travel, but then especially when they start talking to Jack and say, you know, you're supposed to save him. He's, I already did that. I did that once before because you asked me to, and then everything else happened. I'm not doing that again. And the fact right there that he says, I'm not doing again is what causes everything in the future that is causing them issues. If he had just operated on, on Ben, he would have been fine. Everything would have been happy and rosy and fantastic. But, because he chose by free will not to do it, he set this course uh, or set this path to where they ended up in 2004. Exactly, because, yeah, he wouldn't have had to, like, they wouldn't have had to take him to, to the others and whatever. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's, and that's really, that's the whole scene is, um, you know, Jack's making sandwiches and uh, Jack says about how, you know, according to Miles, Ben will survive no matter what. It already happened. It has nothing to do with him. Kate says, uh, you know, the Jack may be the one to save him. And like you said, Jack says, you know, in 2004, you know, he's going to save Ben because Kate uh, asks him to because he's because Ben is threatening Sawyer. Uh, he's done this once. He already saved Ben Linus for Kate. He's not doing it again. Uh, and um, it's just that's one of those things where, you know, the you want to call it the ripple effect you whatever whatever it is um it's and it it i don't know how to say it properly but like it kind of flows into this whole you know whatever happened happened sort of thing and it's it is fun to think about like what if he had done something different like would things have changed what other way would there have been for Ben to to join the others or whatever but you're right had Jack done this one thing which he's just like no I'm not going to do it because it doesn't matter anyway it's like no this is like the one thing that he could have done to change yeah. everything <laughs> and going back even further with that is Saeed shot him because of all the stuff that Ben put him through in 2000 
seven, he went, you know, he came back in time and said, Oh my God, it's, it's little Ben. Let me kill him to stop all my future suffering. And shooting him is actually what caused it. Like, that's why I love this season so much is that everything that the choices they're making to try to, to change their future or their, their past or however you want to call it to try to change the, the present time, the choices that they made are actually causing it. And I, to me, that's just fantastic writing, especially when it comes to time travel. Stuff like that is, I mean, the whole, like, I love Back to the Future. It's one of my favorite movies, but the whole just like, oh, well, there's a new timeline. Then we can go fix it and we're good. It gets to be lazy writing after a while. And the fact that, that Lost said, you could do whatever you want. You go back in time and you can, you can save Ben. You can kill Ben. You can do whatever you want. But whatever you did is actually what ended up causing the present that you know and the issues that you're having. And if no matter, so basically no matter what you do, we already see the effects of it. So you're screwed either way. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Kate then comments how they caused all of this by bringing Saeed back. And Jack tells her how last time he was on the island, he spent all of his time trying to fix things, but maybe the island just wants to fix things itself, and he's getting in the way. Kate is surprised at this. She doesn't say it, but I noticed, and you uh, said it before as well, that Jack sounds a lot like John Locke here. Mm -hmm. Uh, She does, however, tell him that she doesn't like the new version of him. She liked the old him, the one that wouldn't just wait and see and Jack tells her that she didn't like the old him either. And she starts to walk out of the house. Miles yells after her, but she ignores him and slams the door. And I like that where he's just, you know, because he's had his ups and downs with Kate, whatever. And he, to, now he's just at a point where he's just like, you didn't. You didn't like mm-hmm. the old me. You don't like the new me. I don't think you like me at all. <laughs> yeah. He seems as as depressed and confused as he is. He also seems a lot more confident, where he's not trying to please anyone. He's just, you know, what this is, what we're doing. This is how we're doing it. And the fact that he brings up what the island wants, he he seems to finally be getting it. Um, and I just I thought that was a great uh, progress in his character. It is. It's just, I mean, obviously we know it's not too late because we know what happens. But it, at mm-hmm. the time, I remember going like, is it? is it a little too late because, you know, obviously I didn't know how they were going to bring the two timelines together and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, no, it's, and that's like you said before about Sawyer being like the, the most fully developed character. And I, I think that's the the case. I would say Jack would be like the second. I mean, a lot of people would say he's the most developed because like he is the main character of the show, but Mm -hmm. I, I would definitely say Jack is up there as well. Starting from the very beginning, you know, the, you know, to use their terms, the man of science going all the way to the other side, being the man of faith. Like that's an incredible development. And even in doing this podcast series, it's fun to see these little bits where you don't necessarily notice it until you have a moment like this where you can look and go, oh yeah, wow, how things have changed. And it's one of those mm-hmm. things where like the little bits become like added up become the big the big moments that, that influenced all this stuff. Yeah, I would definitely agree that his he might even be more more of a, a change than than uh, Sawyer, because Sawyer went from you know the all about myself con guy to I'm going to help everyone else out. But I mean, he went from 
I'm not going to believe anything. I don't, you know, why is it so hard to believe? Why is it so easy? Everything to, Hey, I'm going to be the new Jacob. So they're both up there with the, the transition of their characters. Yeah. In the infirmary, uh, Ben is hooked up to the monitors. Everything is beeping steadily and he wakes up coughing. Juliet tries to get him to relax. One of the nurses tells her that one of the new people is there, and she says that she's a universal blood donor. It's Kate. A moment later, Juliet is getting ready to draw blood from Kate, and Juliet tells Kate that James said, Jack said, he wouldn't help, but didn't say why. And Kate comments how she doesn't understand Jack's motivations either. Juliet asks if something happened between the two of them off-island, and Kate mentions that they were engaged. Roger then bursts in, demanding to know what's going on with his kid, and eventually Juliet tells him that Kate is donating blood to help Ben. Kate volunteers that Roger stays with her so Juliet can go work on Ben, and after Juliet goes uh, to check on Ben, Roger thanks Kate. He mentions how Ben must have stolen his keys to let the hostel out. LaFleur asked about his keys, but he already knew the answer. And Kate questions why Ben would break the hostel out, and Roger simply says, because of me. He asks Kate about having kids, and she says that she doesn't. Roger comments about wanting to be the greatest father, but it didn't work out. And Kate then asks about Ben's mother, and this is where I briefly thought they were going to set up a thing where she's just like, well, what about his mother? And I'm just like, don't ask a question like that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then Roger informs her that Ben's mother died the day he was born. He tried being the father she would have wanted him to be, but maybe a boy needs his mother. And there's a little bit more to this scene, but I just I want to go back for a moment and say about the kind of Juliet uh, Kate interaction there for a moment, because it's always a weird thing to see the two of them, because as much as they have in common, they like never really fought about anything. They've both kind of been well, they've both been with Sawyer. They both kind of were with Jack. Some people don't necessarily think uh, Juliet and Jack had like a full on relationship or anything, but mm-hmm. it's very strange because like realistically, they don't have a reason to hate each other, but there's always just so much tension between the two of them. Well, I mean, they did have the whole uh, thing in Left Behind where Juliet handcuffed herself to to Kate and dragged her through the woods uh, under the guise that they were both captured. Uh, then to find out that that was planned the whole time. I mean, that's a reason to kind of hate her. That is true. I'd say. Yes. Uh, but yeah, the whole the whole love triangle, square, whatever thing. Uh, yeah, I always like seeing them interact because they they should be understanding of each other uh but there's definitely a tension there yeah uh so ben uh after all the talk between uh kate and roger ben begins coughing heavily and gasping for breath uh roger tries to get closer to his son and juliet says that ben needs more oxygen and demands that roger leaves he doesn't want to go but the nurse goes to escort him out Back in the house, Miles and Hurley are still having their time travel talk. Hurley doesn't understand the concept that Miles doesn't know what he's going to say next. (laughs) And Miles wants Hurley to shoot him. Hurley's confused, saying Miles can't die because he needs to come back on the freighter. But Miles reminds him that that happened already. Any of them that traveled back can die, but anyone that we know lives until 2004 cannot. 
And then Hurley asks possibly the best plot hole question of all that isn't really because it does uh, get answered kind of later in the episode. Why didn't Ben, man Ben, recognize Saeed as the guy who shot him when he was a kid? And Miles doesn't know the answer to this. And Hurley thinks that he's gotten one over on Miles. And realistically, from Hurley's point of view, that's a really good question. It is, but it's also not. Because who says Ben doesn't recognize him? Does Hurley read his mind? Does he know? Ben could have easily said, oh my god, that's the guy from 30 years ago that shot me. But Ben is conniving and clever, and he's not going to let them on to know that. So all that stuff, because that was an actual huge discussion on a lot of the forums, this whole this whole conversation that they were having. Because uh, there was many people that were watching the show that were very much like Hurley, where they didn't understand how this worked. Um so there's other other things that happened. They're like, well, how come this person didn't remember this person? And it's like, um, like when uh, Rousseau and and Jin met uh, back in in 1988. Well, how come Rousseau didn't remember Jin in 2004? First I have off, that one. I question who, that. Who says she didn't? Maybe she did, but at the same time, that was 20, 24, 26 years ago, whatever it was. Uh, and she's insane. So, I mean, yeah, if you see some guy for one day and then he disappears and then you spend 16, like it was a 16 years that she was on the island, yeah. 16 years by yourself, uh, running around this crazy island. And then another guy shows up that like, I mean, you're not going to remember them. And even if you do remember them, we don't know if they do or not. So I always thought that was one of like the, the more annoying arguments that people would bring up is, or how come they don't remember them? But you don't know. You don't know what their character thinks. It's very possible that they do, and they just don't mention it. Uh, but nine times out of ten, I mean, for Rousseau, she's insane. She's not going to remember anything. Uh, and then for Ben, he very well could have remembered it, but then just didn't say anything because he's Ben and he's clever. Uh, but then we do find out that he lost all his memories of the stuff. So either way, it's answered. It's just I thought it was a bad argument. With with Ben, I definitely agree that, you know, he, he could have just been because even when uh, when Saeed first comes upon him in the net in Rousseau's net, that wasn't necessarily the first time that Ben knew that Saeed was there because mm-hmm. he had information on everybody before he uh, right. decided to go to the survivors camp. And with the uh, Rousseau thing. Um, I've act- we actually, um, over the course of this podcast, we kind of have spent a little time talking about that. And we definitely came to the, well, at least I came to the conclusion, one, she is crazy, so I'll blame it on that. And mm-hmm. two, except for like one scene, and I can't even say she actually ever looks at him because like she kind of spins around talking to all of them. Rousseau never really had any interaction with Jin on the present of the island. Okay. There's like one scene in like the, I think it's like the end of season one where she says, you know, you have three choices, run, hide, or die. And like, she's kind of doing that thing where she's spinning one way and the camera is spinning the other. And it's very jarring. Um, But she like, doesn't ever really look at him in that scene. But yeah. Yeah. So it's possible that they do remember and just, they don't bring it up. Cause I mean, really, what are you going to do? Hey, I remember you from 30 years ago. What? Yeah. And then it's just this whole awkward conversation. So, and then you get that, that thing going back to back to the future where, you know, the two of them, if they ever interact with each other, it like blows their mind basically. 
Mm-hmm. Which I never really understood. And well, I mean, in Back to the Future is different because it's two different timelines. But had they done it in in this format, where like when Jennifer was in 2015, which oh my god, that's four years ago, but that's the future. Uh, <laughs> when she sees her younger self as an older Jennifer, she should have remembered. Oh, hey, I remember when this happened however many years ago, 30 years ago, and then younger Jennifer would have been like, hey, I'm in the future, I know what's going on. That should never have happened. But since it's an alternate timeline, and they're not really sure, and technically the future Jennifer is a different Jennifer, I get it. But That was, a, I believe, a Twilight Zone episode once, where there's like a woman, I think it's a woman, where she's like on a horse, and like somebody's like an old person is like chasing her, and she's just like galloping away on the horse, and then like she's like freaked out because like somebody's chasing her, and then like she mm-hmm. goes on to live her life or whatever, and she becomes like an old woman, and she's on a horse, like the old woman is on a horse one day, and it's you know, like she wants to tell, like she's like, Oh man, I wish I could have changed like these one or two things in my life, and she looks ahead and she sees the young version of her, so she's like trying to chase her down, being like, Hey, I'm telling you, change these few things in your life. Oh, wow. But of course the young woman is just like, Oh my god, this crazy person's chasing me or whatever. <laughs> So. That sounds like an awesome episode. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Sure also, like Twilight what should have on. happened. I have the box set. I'll have to look into that and see if I can find it. I haven't seen all of them yet, though. Um, but that's also uh, a huge theory that everyone had for the um, the infamous uh, Outrigger chase. That is going to be future past Losties somewhere chasing down other future past Losties, and that never happened. That's I believe when we did that episode, I think I did that one with Wayne um, and we talked about several different theories. And I definitely said that I always thought that was going to be the case was that there was at least going to be somebody that was already in that boat Mm -hmm. that was then later in the the chasing boat. That that would have been nice to have seen, but apparently it wasn't important enough. (laughs) Uh Back at the infirmary, Roger is pacing on the porch while Kate is sitting there. Juliet comes out to talk with him, telling him that Ben is stable, but she needs Roger to go to the medical station and get some supplies. She hands him a piece of paper with what she needs. He then takes a moment to sincerely thank her for everything that she's done, and after he leaves, Kate asks how Ben really is. Juliet says that he is stable, but she can't fix it. Excuse me. Kate asks if they can take him somewhere, maybe on the sub, but Juliet informs her that it won't be back for months. And Kate comments on the fact that Ben can't die, because she's thinking, of course, of the time travel talk from earlier. But Juliet mm-hmm. tells her that he will die. This is a medical scenario that cannot be fixed. Kate starts thinking out loud about alternative options before Juliet happens upon the idea of the others. And, you know, that's you know, you said before about like lazy writing or whatever. And as much as I love lost, I feel like there were a lot of scenarios and it played into the story. I'm not taking anything away from it. It works perfectly for the story, but at a certain point I feel like just like blaming everything on like Island mysticism gets Mm -hmm. a little old after a certain point. 
Yeah, I know that's a, a huge issue a lot of like the the non fans have where like I'll see on, on Reddit or something where someone brings up Lost and says, Oh, the show was terrible, they didn't answer anything. And I was like, Well, really everything was answered for the most part, or at least we're given enough information to to figure it out. Oh, they never explained the smoke monster. Oh well it's island magic. Well that's not an answer, but it is. That's it's how the show is written. The island has special properties and that's kind of how it goes. Like no one ever asks in Star Wars how a lightsaber works. You just say, "Hey, that's how George Lucas wrote it. Cool, it works." And for some reason, people don't want to take that as an answer for Lost. They want a hard, scientifically explained answer of why turning a, a wheel underground transports you three years back in time or whatever. Um, that's how the show is written. It's island magic. I mean, it's it can be considered lazy writing. I could definitely see that. But as you said, it also fits into how the show works. It's a it's a magic island. So, no, I'm I I fully agree. And I like I said, I like that. And and um, like I said about religion before, that's what you know. Whatever religion you believe, that's what a lot of religion is. It's just like, well, why is it like this? And it's like, well, it just it is. You know, you mm-hmm. have to take it on faith or or whatever. And so, like, I fully agree with what you're saying. It was just to me certain things where it was just like, like the like you know, oh, the monster, you know, island magic. And but then it, it, I feel like for certain things with Lost and with other things as well, like you said, Star Wars. There's a lot of it as well, where it's just like you know, use Star Wars as the example where it's like, well, why is this? And it's just like, well, the Force. Well, what about this? Well, the Force. And what about this? Well, the Force. And it's like, well, isn't there any other answer for anything other than just the Force? There is. It's midichlorians, and then everyone oh, hated it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why, like, yeah. It's, if you, it's, and I always bring that up when everyone says, well, island magic isn't a proper answer. And I was like, if you want more detail, let's, let's again go back to Star Wars. Everyone thought the Force was fine, and then they got more information about midichlorians, and everyone, you know, went up in arms about it. So if we do the same thing with Lost and explain to, you know, how come throwing someone in a pillar of light down a waterfall makes them come out as a smoke monster, just accept it for what it is. If you go into the details, it's going to get frustrating. Um, but I, I no, 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 no. With- like I said, I agree because like my like I'm a, I'm a big fan of like uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And I've talked about this several times over the course of the podcast. There was an episode of that show where it was all like it was dreams interconnected dreams and there was a character who just had cheese every so often he would just kind of pop up and he was you know he just had cheese uh, every time and people would come up to the writer of that show and be like what's what's going on with the cheese man and his thought was if everything else makes sense to the point where you're asking me about the cheese man i did a good enough job in explaining Mm -hmm. it and i feel that way about lost i feel that way about star wars whatever i will fully take the answer of island magic or the force or whatever and so I feel like if that's the question I'm asking, like, well, what is island magic? Then they mm. did their job because I have accepted exactly. the fact that island magic is the answer. Yeah. And I'm not calling you out. I just, I'm saying people in general, especially the haters of the show that watched the first, you know, two seasons and they were like, this makes no sense. I'm quitting. And then they want answers. And you explain to them that, well, it was a bunch of island magic stuff. And they say, that's not an answer. It's, yes, it is. If you watch the show, it works out. It's fine. Yeah, um, within there are context, some, it makes sense. Yeah. There are some instances where it's kind of like, really? That's your answer? And I, I made a note about that but, uh, on a later scene that we'll get to. But um, yeah, for the most part, it's 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 a good enough answer for me. Yeah. Uh, and while we're at the infirmary, I can't 
do a lost podcast without mentioning filming locations. Uh, the infirmary uh, is also the welcome center uh, for the recruitment center for Dharma Initiative. Um, when we were there uh, back in 2017, I was looking all over to find the infirmary. It's the backside of the welcome center. So fun fact. <laughs> I didn't realize that. See, this is, I was just, um, as of this recording, I was, I had just recorded something with Jake and we were talking about, you know, when we're going back in 2020 and I said that like, we need to make sure that we, uh, we get together with you at some point because you know, like all of the, the locations and stuff. Cause we were saying about like different stuff that like the tour and just finding stuff on our own or whatever. And I said, we have to make sure that we talk with Steve because he knows all the places. <laughs> yep. I got spreadsheets. I'll, I'll send them to you. You can post them wherever you want. I got all sorts of stuff, but yeah, I think while everyone was having dinner in the uh, mess hall, which was, you know, for people that haven't been, that was a really cool experience to hang out in Dharmaville and have a meal there and just kind of hang out and experience kind of what it was to be in the Dharma initiative. Um, I was kind of walking around trying to get some, some photographs without so many people in it. And it took me an hour of just wandering around Dharmaville, which it's not very big. On the show, it looks huge, but it's not that big. Um, but I finally was just wandering around and said, you know what? I'm going to walk down to the ocean and just kind of hang out for a bit. And as I was coming back up, I came up on the backside of uh, what's the recruitment center. And I was like, hey, there's the infirmary. So it's the it's the back balcony side of the infirmary or of the uh, recruitment center. Now I got to ask you because like I mentioned uh, at the top of the episode, you do the Hollywood IRL uh, Instagram account. I love your account, by the way. I actually, Thank when, you. when I went to New York city, I specifically took a picture because I wanted to be like, you know, I basically, I wanted to do something like you do with your, with mm-hmm. your stuff for anybody who who's listening that doesn't know. Uh, I mean, he'll talk about it presumably at the end, but Steve goes to a lot of locations around the country, at least the United States, I don't know about anywhere else, but goes around and and takes pictures of things that are in movies and then does like kind of a comparison when you're doing stuff like that. And I'm not, cause I know you're, you have a, a very large uh, film collection and things like that. Do you, whenever you're heading somewhere in particular, do you take like pictures like do you have stuff on your phone where you're trying to match it up like when no, you were looking yeah. for this thing were you were you just like did you just remember in your head like this is one i need to find or did you have a picture like kind of holding it up comparing it to different things uh so originally and I'm, I'll, I'll try not to make this too long um but the whole thing started back in 2014 with the first lost uh, convention that we did um and i just thought hey it'd be fun to see where they film stuff and do the tours and whatever. And at that point I had seen the show 13 times. So a lot of it was kind of like ingrained in my memory and I got a lot of similar shots, but not perfect shots. And when I got home and I was like, Oh, they they look good. Um, and what I did then was take the shots I took and then try to find a matching shot in the show, which was really, really difficult because I'm trying to match up something that already exists with something that I just did. Um, so after I did that, I kind of switched up and I would watch the shows or the movies and take a screenshot um, and then try to match to that. Um, and then it's evolved to the point where now I have spreadsheets of where I'm going. I create maps. Um, I'll even go into Photoshop and mark lines that like, intersect. Like if this tree meets up with this window and then this, you know, bench meets up with this door, and I can make a, you know, get where the perfect angle is um and i have everything saved on my google drive um so when i'm out and about on my phone i just pull it up in my google drive i look at the picture 
try to match it up as I can and then try to find the spot to stand at where I match it up and uh, hopefully comes out awesome. Oh, that's that. That's actually because I was recently uh, going back through some of the earlier episodes of this show, and that's one of the things. Uh, Mike Gilman was the very first guest I ever had on here, and that was one of the things mm-hmm. that I asked him was, you know, because you know he's a photographer as well, and I, I asked him like when you you know when you were in Hawaii, like did you try to like kind of match up shots? And this was before I had actually realized that you were doing this, and I was like, do you ever try to match up shots? And he said, for him, it was just like being in the place and kind of figuring out his own angle to get Mm -hmm. for the thing was, was good enough for him and which, you know, that's, that's what he does. And now to, to hear it from your perspective, I, I like that, like where it's, you know, obviously two amazing photographers doing an amazing job and, you know, he's, he's doing his thing, you're doing your thing. And I really like the fact that, you know, that you're like taking the time to, to match up things as exact as possible. And like I said, I, yours is one of my favorite, I follow a lot of Instagram accounts and yours is one of my favorites to follow because I just love seeing my favorite ones are especially like Dharmaville, for example, where they reused so many things or like the fact that it kind of doesn't look like it Mm -hmm. anymore so it's just like wow that's changed or wow they did so much since you know since that like oh that that tiny tree that was in the movie is now a huge thing and it's like blocking half that building or whatever like those are the kinds of things that i really like yeah me too i like those ones where you can tell it's the same thing but it still looks different enough um like last year i went to uh wilmington north carolina and i don't know if anyone's a david lynch fan but i went to go see uh where they filmed blue velvet and in front of the the main um, apartment, there's two little tiny saplings that are barely growing up in the movie, but now they're full-grown trees. Um, so just to see how much stuff changes and grows over the course of time uh, is really interesting. And I, I, when we went to Hawaii in 2017, uh, Mike actually drove me around a lot. Me and him are good pals, and uh, we hung out a lot there. And you know, he watched me do my thing. I watched him do his thing. And uh, I love that we have a similar hobby of, I mean, I, I do more locations than he does. He does more regular photography, uh, but to see his pictures compared to my pictures and they're the, the same thing, but they look totally different. It's such a cool thing. That's why I love photography. Absolutely. I agree. Uh, a bit. Okay. Back to the thing a bit later. Back to lost. Let's yeah. Go. Sorry. <laughs> Um, I mean, I, I loved, and like I said, that was the reason why I asked was cause I, I wanted to know like how you exactly, how you, you do that. And so, cause like with this show and we know that they, they used several things for the same, like several locations mm-hmm. for the same thing. So that's always really fun. And like you said, the fact that the infirmary is the back of the thing, like I didn't even realize that. Like, I know when we go yeah. back next time, I'm going to be looking for that. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's a lot of planning and just another brief thing about that. That's one of the things, um, as a photographer, I love about Lost is that there's so much detail and amazing things they put into the show. Like there, there's a street in Honolulu, um, that represented six different countries and two different States. Um, like when Rose and Bernard meet up in New York and it's all snowy and he's stuck in the snow. Um, that bar that they're at is actually the bar that Desmond goes to when he talks about time travel with Donovan. Um, and then right across the street from there is the, um, is the bar that John had, uh, dinner with his dad, which is also the same place where, uh, Charlie, uh, met that girl. 
So it's, it's this whole, this one street, it's just, it's so many places. And the fact that they took one road in Hawaii and made it into all this different stuff is just, it's awesome. And the fact that, like, for that one, like, the Rose and Bernard thing, like, the fact that they put snow there and whatever. Yeah. Just a few episodes ago, I was talking uh, with uh, two other friends, and we were talking about the fact that, like, in that one episode, they used Hawaii to be Russia, Santo Domingo, and, like, all these other places. And, mm-hmm. you know, the set decorators and all that on the show were amazing. And, like I said, yes. I love the fact that you're able to... The fact that you do all – I would never be focused enough to be able to do all of that planning, uh, but to be able to do all of that to to find these amazing uh, pictures and things, I love it. So, yeah. Cool. Thank you. A bit later, Kate and Juliet wheel Ben out of the infirmary and back into – or into the back of a Dharma van. Kate refuses to let Juliet come with her. Juliet has a life there. Kate is new. The consequences don't really matter for her. Plus, Sawyer would kill Kate if he found out that Juliet was involved. Juliet then tells Kate that she'll give her a head start, but once Sawyer finds out, she'll have to tell him the truth. And Kate drives off. And this goes back to what we were saying before about the fact that, like, really, uh, they do have a lot more in common. And this is kind of one of those common ground things where it's just like they, they, they're not going to fight over this and... You know, Kate realizes, like, Juliet and Sawyer are a thing, and she just accepts that, which is, I feel like, not some, that's that's almost uh, not typical of Kate, for her to just accept the fact that something that she was kind of involved with doesn't have anything to do with her anymore. Mm-hmm. I also really like the irony of the scene that Kate is going on an expedition and tells someone not to follow, but then they <laughs> actually don't follow her. So, I mean, that's... Yeah, Kate, see how that's done? (laughs) Lessons learned. I mean, of all the times that she went out after some woman, they said, Kate, stay here. And then she tells Juliet, do that. And she's like, I bet you like 10 minutes later, she's like, where's Juliet at? I told her not to go, but I thought she'd just follow me anyways. But That's one of my favorite lines in the finale. I think it's the series finale when Jack's like, I'd tell you not to come, but you'd just follow me 10 minutes later anyway. Yep. Uh Flashback to 2007 at the marina once again. This is the same scene that I've been angry about for years, but this time it's from Kate's point of view. We, uh, when she finds out that Jack is involved with Ben's plan, she calls them crazy and heads to her car and drives off. A few moments later, Aaron informs her that he's thirsty. He wants milk. Hold on one second. Why, why are you so angry about this scene? I have not, I'm not aware oh, of this. Because in... This place is death. There's a a, a moment where uh, Ben and Saeed and Jack kind of have the interaction, like Ben, um, and then because it the scene also comes back in. I want to say he's our you. That episode or that scene comes back, and mm-hmm. there's a difference in dialogue where okay. Ben says someone here in Los Angeles versus somebody here in Los Angeles that I can forgive. But the thing I can't forgive is when in one episode, Saeed says, if I see you or him again, there will be trouble for all of us versus in the sec- the second time we see it, he says to Ben, if I see you again, there'll be trouble for us both. The fact that he completely cuts Jack out of that in the gotcha. dialogue makes me angry. 
And I swear that at one point when it was going on, I I swear that I saw a tweet or an interview or something with Damon and Carlton where they said that they were aware of this goof and that they were going to explain it. I since can't find anything, but when doing the He's Our You episode, I came up with my own sort of theory where I'm just, and this is how I've accepted it now, uh... When Saeed was, in theory, remembering that scene, he was on acid at the time. So maybe he just remembered it wrong. <laughs> okay, I'll take it. Or it's just a different point of view when I remembered it this way, you remembered it that way. It's Yeah, it's just one okay. of those things where you would think that they would have just like lifted the dialogue from one scene to the other so that, you know, that it, yeah, that it matches just... up. But it just, for years, that has angered me. <laughs> Okay, that makes sense. I was just wondering if it was like a an action in the scene or, or something that happened. There's just not a, a weird dialogue cut. I don't know why they wouldn't just film it from multiple angles and just use that same footage as opposed to filming it multiple times. Thank but, you, yes. <laughs> what do I know? I only went to film school for two years. It's more than I can say. <laughs> um, so at the supermarket, Kate asks uh, Aaron about milk, but now he says that he wants a juice box. She then goes to an employee, asks where the juice boxes are, and she goes to grab her phone from her purse, and she loses sight of Aaron for just a moment. And she begins running up and down the aisles, asking people if they've seen her son. And she finally happens upon a, wo- a blonde woman with Aaron. And she freaks out because she obviously gets Claire vibes from this woman. And mm-hmm. I wrote that she feels that Aaron going to her wasn't a coincidence. She thanks the woman, but is still uncertain of things. And maybe that's just me reading into it, but I always think that, you know, the fact that that Aaron could have gone to anybody but goes to that blonde woman. I think Kate thinks a little bit more about that than it's just. Oh, hundred like, percent. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Without a doubt. Okay. Um, back on the Island in 1977, Kate is at the fence. She gets out to check on Ben in the back and he's wheezing heavily, trying to say what he probably thinks will be his last words. He asks her to tell his dad that he's sorry that he stole the keys. Another van then pulls up and Sawyer exits did she not at all see this van in her rear view mirror this whole time? Probably not. She can't. I don't. It, <laughs> it's it's one of those things. It's just, it's, she's probably, let's, you know, we'll, we'll give her the benefit of the doubt. She's so focused on saving Ben that she was not looking behind her. She was looking forward. Okay. We'll just say that. There you go. <laughs> uh, she says about stopping her, but he tells her that he's actually there to help. We once again go off-island to 2007. Aaron and Kate are going to Cassidy's house, and Clementine answers the door, calling her Auntie Kate. A bit later, the children are playing while Kate and Cassidy are talking. Kate has told her that some of the other Oceanic Six are going back, and Cassidy is trying to figure out why, and she tells Kate to rest. But Kate tells her about the supermarket and the fact that she lost Aaron. Uh, She lost him. She felt scared. But she wasn't exactly surprised. She doesn't understand why, though. And Cassidy tells her that it's because Kate took him. Uh, Kate tries to justify this by saying that Claire left. She had to. He needed her. But Cassidy says that Kate needed Aaron. Sawyer broke her heart, and she needed something to fix it. I like that. I like the fact that there's somebody who, you know... Granted, she's, you know, totally anti-Sawyer in everything that she does, Cassidy, Mm -hmm. but it's an outside perspective. 
and somebody is finally like somebody that Kate will listen to is finally telling Kate like here's something about you that you don't realize. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, back in '77, once again, Sawyer enters the code to leave the fence. Sawyer asks Kate how she planned to carry him, and Kate comments that the line isn't that far. The others are right there, but Sawyer says how they're not directly on the other side of the line. I love that part where he's she's just like, mm-hmm. well, the line's right there. And he's like, well, they're not right on the other side. Yeah. Kate doesn't think too much sometimes. <laughs> uh, she then asks why he's helping, and he said he originally was asking that same question, too. Why was uh, why was Kate helping Ben? And Juliet reminded him that no matter what he grew up to be, he's still a kid and it's wrong to let him die. So he's doing this for Juliet. He lifts Ben from the van and starts carrying him. And again, that just goes to prove that like he is not the same person that she knows. He is not the same person. You know, whatever happened in that three years... I mean, we know a little of it, but like he mm-hmm. grew up in a lot of ways. And that one scene kind of always bugged me, though. Or that one thing, like it's—I'm sure it's a controversial topic, but he's a kid. We can't let him die, even though he grows up to be Hitler and kills a billion people. Like, let him die. Like, if, if he's that bad, I mean, I get what they're saying, but at the same time, if you know they're going to be grow up to be some evil, sadistic, crazy person, it's okay for a kid to die. Just saying. Well, yeah, but then don't you, you know, going with the time travel things, there's that TV tropes website where they talk about the, I don't remember exactly what they call it, but it's like the Hitler time paradox law or something like that. I'm just saying yeah. in, in general discussion, yeah, you know, like yeah. not actually in the show because in the show, whatever happened, happened. We know that we can't kill Ben, but just in general, you know, the whole idea that just because they're a kid or just because they're whatever, they deserve to live, but. You know, if you know someone's like, if you have a kid that's like killing people left and right, oh, well, he's a kid. We should let him like, no, if it's, it's, it's a whole controversial topic. Probably shouldn't talk about. I get what you're saying. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Back in Dharmaville, Juliet walks into the house and sees Miles and Hurley playing dominoes. She demands to talk to Jack and asks for some privacy. And as the two of them go to leave, Miles tells Hurley to ask him more about time travel. And I just love that moment. <laughs> I just wish we could have seen more of that. I wanted to see that conversation. Absolutely. Uh, she goes to approach Jack in the shower. He gets out and she's standing there. She tells him that she needed his help in the OR. The kid was bleeding out. She needed him. But he justifies it, saying that the kid is Ben. But she reminds him that right now, he's just a kid. He says that he can't help her. And she says that she's not asking for his uh, for his help. It's up to Sawyer and Kate now. Jack is confused, but she tells him that they went to go save Ben because they care. Jack tells her that he came back because he cares. He was trying to save her and everyone else. And she finally tells him what they've all been wanting to say for several episodes. They've been fine for three years. They didn't need saving. Jack came back for himself. She wants to know why he actually came back. And he simply says that he came back because he was supposed to. She doesn't understand, and he doesn't either. He's not completely sure yet. And... Don't get me wrong, I get it from their perspective because they only knew what Locke told them, which was at the time when he left, things were bad. 
but like I, you know, knowing what I know, I'm fully in agreement. Like they were fine for three years. Like mm-hmm. Locke never thought like, oh, if I leave, maybe like, cause he was, I believe he was told you need to set the thing back on its axis. So like, did none of them ever think like, oh, if we set this thing back on its axis, maybe that will stop everything. And just the fact that like Jack and Kate and Hurley coming back ruined everything they had. And I'm glad that finally, uh, finally somebody was able to say it to them. Like you ruined it three years. We were fine. You ruined it all by coming back in the first place. Well, the whole thing about that though, is Locke was told to bring them back by, by Locke, who was the smoke monster. So that never really had to happen. That was just a whole plan from, from Smokey. So Jack's coming back because I had to was all just part of this big plan. Um, so I always thought that was kind of interesting that, you know, he's, he's believing Locke that, you know, I have to do this because faith told me I had to do it or whatever. But in fact, it's just the smoke monster said, Hey, I'm going to bring these people back so I can kill them so I can finally leave. And Jack thinks he's doing this great service to everybody by coming back. And it's all just, he's just another pawn in the whole scheme. Yeah. And that's the thing, isn't it? It's like the whole show, like for the first few seasons, of course, we think that everybody is uh, is a pawn between like Ben and Widmore. And then mm-hmm. it's like actually that like they're both pawns as well. They're actually kind of on the same side, it turns out. And it's, yeah, the whole thing is, I mean, they, they say chess or whatever. That's the whole chess game between Man in Black and, uh, and Jacob. Jacob. Yeah, and it's just like, what would have, ha- you know, obviously we know what whatever happened happened, but like what would have happened if people would have just let things go? Like you said, like earlier, you know, if Jack had saved Ben, it probably would have saved a lot of bad things from happening in the future. And it's like if they hadn't come back to the island, things, you know, they like Jacob wouldn't have died and like all this other stuff, you know? Mm hmm. Especially with like with Locke, the whole thing that a lot of people seem to miss is that he is not important at all. He like everyone's like, oh, but he was the leader of the others. He was this and that. He was nothing. He was the leader of the others because he was told by uh, himself or whoever that he was special, um, and he told Richard he was special, and then Richard believed him and went to visit him. But nothing about him was ever special. He just happened to time travel because of something Smokey did. Exactly. So this whole like this whole time he like. He's not anything important. He's just the guy at the box company. He just happened to be in the right place at the right time, falling in that time loop. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the things that, that I noticed probably my, it wasn't my second or third. It was definitely like a few watches in once the series was complete. The fact that like, yeah, no, he's, he's nothing. It's just one of those right place, right time. He set up this, which set up this, which set up something else. And because he mm-hmm. was just in that, that loop of it's, it's the compass loop. It never starts say, yeah. and it never ends. It just exists. And he's never, he just kind of tells himself that he's special, tells Richard that he's special. And that just kind of continues forever. Right. I mean, he tells 
he comes to the island. He says, oh, I'm special because who who told him he was special to begin with? I forgot who it was, whatever. But then he basically goes back in time and tells Richard that he is the leader of the others and he needs to go check him out. So then he gets checked out. And then in high school, the Darwin Initiative are looking into him. And he's like, I'm not a scientist. I'm a boxer or whatever. Uh, so this whole thing, he thinks that, you know, he's something important. And, like, I just love that about his character so much that he thinks he's – you know, that's faith. I'm supposed to be here. It's supposed to happen. And no, you're just a pawn. You're someone's using you to get what they want, just like you've always tried to not do. And the writing in the show is fantastic. My God, I need to watch it again. <laughs> my my only question, and it actually plays a little into the, the beginning of the next episode, which is, you know, Jacob is supposed to be this godlike figure why didn't and you know everybody uses his name everybody in the others uses his name to kind of make everybody else back off like did he never like because i would think at some point richard would be like so this man time traveled here and or not time traveled but like this man showed up and told me he's special or whatever like did jacob with his god powers never be like yeah that guy's not special like why would he let ben or why would he let richard continue on this weird quest because he didn't want to influence him um, in Abiturno. He says, you know, I'm going to sit here and I'm not going to influence anyone. I want to prove that people are genuinely good people and I don't want to interact with them. And then Richard says, but Smokey's going to interact with them. He says, yeah, that's a good point. I'll use you as my, my go-between, whatever. Uh, but Jacob has a, a firm stance of I'm not going to interact with these people. I want to prove that they are inherently good on their own without any outside influence. But then, okay, so at one point, I think it's in the season five finale, if I'm not mistaken, when Ben finally confronts Jacob, right? And he says, you know, all those slips of paper, all those lists. The way I mm -hmm. always put it together was that Ben gets the information of who landed on, you know, with the plane or with whatever. He somehow gets the information about the people, writes all their names down, gives them to Richard. Richard takes them to Jacob. Jacob says, this person can live and worship me, whatever these other people I don't care about. So at some point, wouldn't Richard have gone to him and been like, so this thing happened, wouldn't that be when Jacob says, like, oh, wait, that's a weird, like, the Matrix is broken, basically, like, a weird right. thing happened here. Because, like, he did, as far as I always thought, he did still interact with Richard on a regular basis. So that's the part that I thought was, was strange, that he would have never said to Richard, like, oh, that's actually not important, don't pay any attention to that. I don't know. I didn't really thought about that way because I always thought that the lists either came from uh, Smokey in the cabin pretending to be Jacob or they just came from Jacob directly. And then basically Jacob said, hey, Richard, here's the people that landed. Do what you got to do with it. And then Richard gives it to Ben. And then Ben's like, all right, these are the people we want. These are the people we don't want. And then I always took it as Jacob just said, you know what? I'm hands off. Whatever you guys got to do, go for it. And we'll see how it ends. So. Okay. That's uh, on top of that, though. Also, the the whole Jacob thing. Since we don't really we don't meet him till the season five finale, right? Yeah. So, I think his name was used a bit generously throughout the series. Before that, um, like in Room Twenty Three, they have uh, God loves you as He loved Jacob, and that's a Dharma Initiative thing. So, why is uh, the Dharma Initiative dealing with Jacob at all? Because they were not part of 
Jacob's crew. They're not, they were not the others. So why are they including him in their messages? It was just kind of a, a thing that I don't think they had it Jacob solidified yet. Um, so all the Jacob stuff and the lists, especially going back to season two, I don't think those could all be taken at face value, unfortunately. I could see that. Yeah. Cause like, that's the thing is like, I always, I always thought, and I have this big issue with, and I, I think I've talked about, I know I've talked about it with people personally. I don't know if I've ever really talked about it on the show or how much I have talked about it on the show. The fact that like, in theory, uh, Jacob says to Richard, you know, like no one comes to the Island without like, basically no one comes to the Island without me inviting them. So mm-hmm. theoretically everyone who survived the plane crash, everyone who comes through Dharma or whatever was brought there by Jacob. Same with the, the boat that Richard came on when the man in black says you brought them here. So why is it that only certain people, like why, when the plane crashed, why did Richard not as, as Jacob's representative, why did Richard not come out of the jungle and be like, hello, crash survivors. This is Jacob's Island. You are here now. Uh, it's again because he he wants to be hands off. He doesn't want to influence anyone. If if they had come out and said, "Hey, you know, I'm I'm Richard. These are the others. We're cool people. Um, you know, we don't want to hurt you. We're just we're going to do our thing. You guys do your thing." It's going to influence them. They want to see wasn't, who's. Wasn't that Richard's whole purpose was to be the intermediary between Jacob and the people? Like he like certain people are allowed to stay there, right? Like certain people basically the whoever good or whatever they're allowed to be there because they are good and they can then live amongst the others and worship right. Jacob or whatever. But if everybody, if Jacob brought everybody there, shouldn't everybody be able to live together and worship Jacob or whatever? Well, I, I took it as that was kind of his, his plan to see who was sort of, um, cause he brought people there that were flawed, that had issues. They weren't perfect people. Um, and, He's not necessarily saying that they're good or they're bad. They just want to say, hey, these people have issues. I'm going to put them in this environment and see how they react. And some of them, uh, you know, they were good people and whatever happened, happened, so to speak. Uh, And then some people were bad and they, you know, were killed. It's really a whole kind of confusing thing that I don't really think was ever fully explained. because like one other problem I had that's kind of on the same lines with that is back in uh, season two, I think it was the hunting party where uh, they go to confront the others, and the others are like, "You're on our island. You came to our home." It's like, but we didn't. We were brought here by your leader, so we don't want to be here. We want to go home. But they're acting like you came onto into our house, and you, you know, when you go into another man's house, do you sit on his sofa and put your feet up on the table or whatever? And I was like, but they. They didn't come to your house. They were brought to your house by someone else. It's not their choice. They don't want to be here. Yeah. Um, so that was one thing. Like I was, that was kind of bugged me about the show. Is like, I get that, especially once they explain it in in I, I guess it was the season five finale or the season six opener that Jacob's bringing them here to prove that you know people are good and Smokey says no, people are bad. But like the losses, they didn't want to be there. That was that they wanted to go home, but the others were acting like they were invading their space. But when you look at it, they landed on the beach. They stayed on the beach, but Ben sent them out to, you know, go invade, you know, go to the survivors. You're one of them. Find out what you know. Uh, and then on the on the tally section, uh, people were taken and killed the first or second night. 
and the others are acting like you came here and you attacked us. No, they didn't. They tried to live in peace on the beach until they were rescued and you invaded them. So, and that's, that's my whole thing is like Richard is supposed to be the, the person who kind of acts in between them. Like, you know, anybody that, that Jacob brings to the Island, Richard is supposed to be the one, whatever. So that's kind of my, my thing is like, why is it that Richard let there become such a divide between us, the others and them, whether it be the survivors or the Dharma people or, you know, the, the real Henry Gale in his balloon or what, you know what I mean? Like basically anybody that, that came to the Island, like when did Richard almost lose his way to say, well, there's going to be a divide because in theory, Richard is supposed to welcome everyone because everyone, like you said, was brought there by their leader, Jacob. Mm -hmm. That's, that's yeah. Yeah. It doesn't really make sense. Cause yeah, he, he says that, you know, smoke monster is going to, he's going to influence them. Like they try to do with Richard. Um, and Jacob's like, yeah, I don't want to do that. So, Hey, here's a job for you. But then he doesn't really do it. And it doesn't really make sense, but I don't know. I got nothing. No, Um, that's what I'm saying. But that's just one of my, that's one of my other big kind of gripes about it. And that's part of the reason personally, Richard was one of my favorite characters up until the episode where we finally learned his backstory was Mm because one, it wasn't nearly as good as I built it up to be in my head. And I know that's my own personal fault, but two, it, brought up a lot of those problems that we just discussed (laughs) yeah uh oh speaking of richard i believe we're about to find him momentarily here uh back at the jungle sawyer is still carrying ben kate offers to carry him when they take a break by the creek and kate tells uh sawyer how roger thinks that sawyer thinks ben broke saeed out Uh, she then brings up sawyer's daughter and she tells him that she took care of her, just like he asked, and he wants to know about her. Kate says that she's very much like Sawyer, and Sawyer comments about her and Cassidy having a lot to discuss. Kate tells him about Cassidy's theory of him leaving the helicopter. He wanted to escape her. He then tells Kate that him and her wouldn't have worked anyway. He, was, uh, he wasn't fit to be her boyfriend, just like he wasn't fit to be Clementine's father. She comments on his relationship with Juliet, and he says that he's grown up a lot in three years. Suddenly, they hear someone yell to put their hands up. The others have arrived. Sawyer informs them uh, that the kid that they have has been shot. It's everyone's problem, so to avoid war, he wants to see Richard. And that's the moment where I feel like they could have taken one line for Kate to just be like, yeah, actually, I kind of knew her beforehand. Like when he says, oh, I bet you two had a lot to talk about. It's like, yeah, more than you know yeah. or whatever. But, yeah. yeah. Going back to that scene where one of my favorite scenes where uh, Sawyer's chopping the bamboo and Jack's going off on some expedition. I forget which one it was. And uh, Sawyer tells him about the conversation he had with Christian and doesn't come out right and say, you know, Hey, I met your dad, but that was such an awesome scene. And it would have been cool to see something like that happen with, with Kate and Sawyer where, you know, it wouldn't have been as emotional, but to just reference that, Hey, you know what? We knew each other prior to the Island. Uh, would have been cool. Yeah, exactly. Um, Back in 2007, once again, Kate is at a motel. Carol Littleton opens the door. 
Kate introduces herself, but Mrs. Littleton knows who she is and invites her inside. Carol explains how Jack came the night before, going on and on about Aaron. When she asked who that was, he ran out. Kate then tells Carol that Aaron is her grandson and that Claire is alive. She tells her the true story. Claire was eight months pregnant. She gave birth, not Kate. There were other survivors, and they left them behind. Carol wants to know why Claire was left there, and Kate informs her that Claire disappeared but left the baby behind. They looked for her, but then they were rescued and had to decide what to do with the baby. Claire wanted to give him up for adoption anyway, so they just said that he was Kate's. She then tells Mrs. Littleton that she needed Aaron, but Mrs. Littleton will soon realize how much of a kind, sweet boy he is. She's checked into a room two doors down, and he's currently asleep, but when she's ready, he's waiting to meet her. Kate told him that she's his grandmother and that she'll take care of him. Carol asks where she's going, and Kate informs her that she's going back to get Claire. Sometime later, in the motel room, Kate is looking over a sleeping Aaron. She's crying, kisses him, and tells him goodbye. And we finally learn Kate's motivations for going back to the island. And I know that you're going to have something to say about this, Steve, because the last time you were, one of the last times you were on, I believe it was the last time, you had a whole thing about not liking Claire's mother at all. So the floor is yours. (laughs) It's not that I don't like her. It's just, this is one instance where the writing was just terrible for me. Um... Because when Jack sees her, and I think this was in the season four finale when I was on, um, he thinks, or they both think that she's there to get Aaron back, that she knows that Aaron is Claire's baby, um, and that she's there to get him back. And then when Jack confronts her, um, she's like, oh, I'm here to get a check from Oceanic for the settlement. Because Oceanic cannot send a check to Australia for some reason. So it's just really bad writing to get her into L.A. for some reason. You could have said, you know, I'm here for whatever else but just to say oh i'm here to get a check that's just poor writing people come to la for all sorts like just vacation you know just as much as we would go to australia or wherever australians come here for vacation too yeah or at least say you know what oceanic needed me to come here for the the um the press junket or whatever, or I need to do for something, but just say, Oh, I'm here for a check because checks are impossible to mail through the post service. Like (laughs) that just kind of bugged me. Um, and then another thing about this scene, uh, that didn't really bug me. It's just something I caught while I was rewatching it again today is when she's telling, uh, when Kate's telling Carol, um, about Claire, she's like, yeah, she's alive. You don't know that first off, like, she disappeared. You don't know what's going on with her. And just to give uh, the mother the false hope that, hey, yeah, she's back on this island and she's just hanging out. Uh, she's alive, but, you know, she's just she went missing somewhere. And without telling her that, oh, there's these crazy smoke monster and there's all this other stuff, obviously you don't want to tell her all that information. Uh, but just to be like, oh, yeah, she's still alive on this island and we're going to go back and get her. Uh, I thought it was kind of weird. Um, and then they said, yo, we looked everywhere. But she didn't. Yeah. He looked in a few places and then Sawyer's like, yeah, we can't find her. She's like, all right, let's go. Um, I mean, obviously you don't want to tell the mom that, you know, she disappeared and we just up and left. But again, I just felt it was, is not the best writing in this scene. Um, so anything with, with Claire's mom, I guess I do don't like her. I mean, <laughs> oh, she's in a, she's in a coma. Then all of a sudden she wakes up just to like, that's my it, biggest issue was yeah. she was in a coma. She was never going to wake up. Christian was like, we should pull the plug on her. And then suddenly it's like, oh, when they need her to be there, she's there. But I, yeah. I never realized the thing that you said uh, there about the fact that she says 
Claire is alive when earlier, I mean, granted it was, you know, a few years back because, you know, Aaron was still a baby, but when Cassidy said something about Sawyer being alive, Kate said he was when I left or when we left. But now with, with Claire years later, she's just assuming that not only was she alive then, but she's still alive now, despite the fact that Kate has, relatively no idea what happened except for the fact that bad things happened to everybody that was left behind so for her to say oh she's alive when she doesn't know and has really worse information than what she had when she originally left that is very not good on kate's part yeah i mean i'm sure it was just the kind of thing of like hey i'm gonna go back and i want to give the mother hope but at the same time like i would have been like we're gonna go back and try to find her and see you know whatever i just i just thought it was kind of too much optimism uh, from Kate on that point. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, but I will say that the acting in that scene was really good. Uh, I really enjoyed how Kate performed, uh, especially as not being a huge Kate fan. Um, and then the scene where she's leaving Aaron, uh, that music, goddamn Michael Giacchino. He is just, <laughs> it's been a while since I've seen the show. And I mean, I, I, I know it backwards and forwards, but just watching that scene, and hearing that music, I started tearing up already because that is a powerful, powerful score. Absolutely. And you said about the acting. That's one thing I know people who do not like Kate, but they are big uh, Evangeline Lilly fans. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they'll and some of them aren't even necessarily Evangeline Lilly fans, but they've still commented on the fact that. Not in every scene, but in a lot of the scenes, she is she's a very good actress. Like there's a reason mm-hmm. that her her career skyrocketed after this, you know, because she's very good. Yeah, especially in this episode, she she knocked it out of the park. There's a few other scenes throughout the series where she just did not hit it, but this one she was she was on point. Yeah. Uh Back on the island in 77, Sawyer is still carrying Ben through the jungle. Kate is there as well, of course, and they're surrounded by others. Richard greets them, and he notices Ben, and Sawyer is surprised that Richard knows Ben, but Richard is more concerned with what happened to him. Kate says that Ben was shot, and Richard inquires who she is, but Sawyer states that she's with him. They need Richard to save Ben's life if he can. And Richard tells him that if he does, Ben will not be the same again. He'll forget this happened, and his innocence will be gone. He'll be one of them, the others, or hostiles, or whatever you call them. Uh, And he wants to know if they're sure. And Kate says that she's sure. Richard then takes him. A random other then tells him that he shouldn't do this without asking Ellie or Charles, but Ben reminds him that he doesn't answer to either of them. Kate asks where he's taking uh, Ben, but Sawyer grabs her arm and goes to pull her away. We then see Richard taking Ben into the jungle, into a stone structure, through that structure uh, wall piece, and he carries Ben inside. And there's one more brief scene, but I just want to say this is one of those things I said before about Richard being one of my favorite characters, partly because he was so mysterious and he seemed to have so many answers to things. And this is just another one of those ones where I'm just like, what happens next, Richard? Like, tell us something here. Like, what does that mean? He won't remember any of this. His innocence will be gone. He'll always be one of them. Like, what does any of this mean? Give me some answer. (laughs) 
Yeah, I, I thought the same thing, but also onto your point from before where we were discussing, you know, island magic, this and that. It always kind of just seemed like his innocence is gone. He'll not remember this. He'll be one of us. What does that even mean? Like, you guys aren't bad guys. You're the good guys. You've said that numerous times. So why is it so ominous that he'll be one of us? Um, and then especially to... Um, you know, say his innocence is gone uh, and that he'll forget everything. That just felt like, you know, a convenient part to throw into, oh, all those questions about why doesn't Ben remember Saeed in the future or whatever. Oh, it's because he forgot it. It's just like they threw that in there just to, you know, to answer close that, that question from yeah, earlier. Yeah, to answer that question. Exactly. Uh, that one part always bugged me. Um, but yeah, still, it was a great scene. Um, I said, I love Richard as well uh, and seeing him bring him to the temple and kind of figure out what's going on and to see like this is what made ben into ben uh it was just fantastic because i love ben as like he's my favorite character on tv of all time um just the the range he has of you know because he's another one that had a great arc where when he was first on like i mean first off he was supposed to be on for two episodes he's supposed to just be an other but he did such an amazing episode that they said you know what let's keep him on for the rest of the series. Um, but he went from being absolutely hated by a lot of people to being absolutely loved by a lot of people. Um, although a lot of people still do hate him. I just thought that his character, just the cleverness and like the, the mind games that he played and you don't know if he's good or if he's bad to see him finally kind of, this is why he is how he is. was an awesome scene for me. Ben is, I've said it, Ben is my favorite character as well. And it is one of those things where, um, you know, is he good? Is he bad? Is he whatever? And uh, I just, like you said earlier, the fact that all of this, not all of it, but a certain part of it goes back to Jack not doing anything. So it kind mm-hmm. of all, uh, you know, it's like that's why he is the way he is. Like this, you know, they wouldn't have had to bring him to Richard or whatever. So that's one of those things. And I, I always say that... Um, Every time I I rewatch the show, I always notice something new. And this, uh, Jake said it at one point mm-hmm. over the course of this podcast, the fact that this rewatch, especially with doing this podcast, is the critical thinking rewatch. And that's one of those things that you may not necessarily notice uh, you know, when you're when you're just watching it for fun or watching it because like, oh, this time I'm going to notice all of like the goofs or all of the connections or whatever. And like that's one of those connections that kind of happens that you don't necessarily, I, you know, that you don't necessarily realize offhand. But I would definitely agree, Ben, one of the best characters. And it's yeah. And we actually get to see uh, Michael Emerson in the final scene here back in 2007 on Hydra Island. Ben is asleep. He still has all of his injuries uh, and Locke is sitting next to his bed. And as Ben opens his eyes, he hears and sees Locke who welcomes him back to the land of the living. And Ben has a shocked look on his face to end the episode. Yep. I love that scene. Uh, I, it's really great. Another reason why I wanted to do this episode was it's one of my favorites. Um, and Ben and Locke are not in it except for 20 seconds. Um, and it's still that amazing an episode. Uh, it speaks worlds for me. Yeah. It's, and this is one of those ones where, like you said, because of like the time travel talk and all of that, this episode does stick out. 
and the fact that like we learn a little bit more about Ben. Like I've said a few episodes before this, there were ones that I know people like Namaste and things like that that people didn't necessarily they don't rank high on people's lists. And as I was going through them, uh, you know, various people were talking about the the fact that they were kind of hidden gems. When you watch them on their own, they it actually turns out like, oh, this isn't necessarily a bad episode. It's just kind of in this run of episodes, it kind of gets lost in the shuffle. But this is very much one of those ones where there's a lot of stuff that happens in this episode. You know, time travel uh, talk, Ben... Um, you know, uh, basically we learn how Ben becomes Ben. We mm-hmm. see the, the fact that Juliet finally tells, uh, Jack, like, you know, we were fine before you came back. Jack basically refusing things, thinking he knows why he's there, but then admitting he doesn't know why he's there. And like all this other, you know, setting up all the stuff with Roger and the keys and all that. Like this is not that they're not that none of them are unimportant episodes, but this is a, a really important episode to kind of get us to this final arc of season five so i haven't seen this one in quite a while i really enjoyed it me too i need to do a rewatch i think the last time i did one was before we went to hawaii in 2017 and i've been meaning to do it but just new movies come out and new shows come out and new video games come out and i just don't have the time so we're in the middle of a breaking bad rewatch and lost is next on the list so i cannot wait to rewatch the show again that's actually uh, several people who've been on the show uh recently in the last few months have said that that they don't necessarily get to uh to rewatch the show as often because you know in well, by next by this time roughly this time next year the show will have been off the air for 10 years you mm-hmm. know and i've i've found that over the course of doing this show it is one of the great things because people you know get to I don't want to say revisit it for the first time, but it's in a lot of ways, it is almost like watching certain things for the first time, but still having all the knowledge that you have because mm-hmm. you get to kind of re-experience it, but it's, but all the connections are still able to be made. So I know that is one of the fun things, even for myself with doing this and, and watching them because I'm kind of making sure to not watch too many at a time. Cause I want to watch it, have that episode fresh in my mind to record and whatever. So I'm not necessarily binging them or whatever. So that is one of the good things when you try to do like a watch like this, you know, years later is there are other things that are great, but I always find myself coming back to lost as well. Yeah, I used to watch it once a year, uh, but I just I've had the time and uh, one of my friends, uh, he is trying to wait as long as possible to watch it again so he can try to forget things because um, we've watched it so many times. We know, you know, every line word for word. Um, and we were having a discussion the other day and he couldn't remember what happened in an episode. And he's like, OK, it's almost time to do a rewatch now because I can't remember things. And I would love to get to that point. But then I watch an episode, you know, today to refresh myself. And I'm like, man, I need to watch this show. It's so good. Well, that's like, I've, I've said that probably once I'm done doing this podcast, like maybe I'll rewatch a few before going back to Hawaii again next year, but it will probably Mm -hmm. be a few years before I pull out my lost box set because of doing this for, uh, you know, two plus years and, and trying to be, rather not not trying to be critical but finding a lot of like critical things and whatever i feel like it's gonna be probably a while before i do a rewatch again (laughs) makes sense um 
The only other thing I wanted to say about this episode I saw on Lostpedia was the fact that this is um, the final traditional flashback episode for a member of the original Oceanic 815 survivors. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that it was like that there was still this much longer to go before the finale, before they stopped doing uh, like traditional flashbacks like this. I think cause next up is I think a fair day flashback. Uh, and then it's, it's a few episodes of like the traditional flashback type stuff, but it's for different characters that weren't on uh, eight fifteen. And then I think starting uh, with the season finale, we go into the, the multiple flashbacks for everyone. And then season six starts the crazy flash sideways that some people hate some people love right i loved them i thought they were great i thought they were good i was i was so invested into where they were going with the story um but if we don't have anything else on this particular episode um why don't you let everybody know where they can find you uh around the internet uh, well, one thing before we end up with that, there, there's not about the episode, uh, but you did bring up before we were discussing uh, faith and free will and predestination. Um, if you're a fan of time travel like this, there is a movie called Predestination, which is one of my all-time favorite time travel movies. Um, so I definitely recommend checking that out. I think it is currently on Amazon Prime for free um, or it might be on Netflix. Um, but if you haven't seen it, check it out. That's awesome. It's called Predestination? Uh, predestination uh don't read anything about it just click on it press play and have fun uh it's a fantastic movie uh lots of time travel fun stuff so uh check that out all right i made a note of that all right and as for online uh i am on instagram uh hollywood underscore irl i'm also on twitter i don't know how to use twitter uh, so it's a lot of fun trying to figure that out. Uh, it's the same stuff. So if you follow one, you're following both of them. It's nothing special. Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at JPGRB. You can also find all things clock shelves, more episodes of this. Of course, we're going to link to, uh, Steve's accounts as well. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. It's clock shelves, C-L-O-C-K-S-H-E-L-V-E-S. Uh, Steve, thank you so much for being on this episode. I always enjoy your insight. Like I said, the fact that you have uh, such a unique perspective because you've gone to pretty much every filming location, not just for this, but for a ton of movies and other things. I love getting your uh, perception on the the physical things of the the locations the um the in-depth discussions like you said you've watched this show many times you were around when people were discussing things on forums so that's definitely a point of view that i don't have and, and several of the guests uh that have been on this show don't have and as always you are welcome back anytime you want Awesome. I appreciate it. It's been a blast doing this. And yeah, any episode you want me on, I'll be back because I don't have nearly enough people to discuss loss with. So it's always awesome to be able to do that. All right. We will uh, now end with the traditional thank you, namaste, and good luck. <laughs> <laughs>